0: You do the pleasure! Hi there. I want to talk to you about ducks.
1: No thanks. What about don't
0: want to go. I'll go Alright. Now well, that's a good idea. Okay, let's go. Give me the view. Oh, the
1: Zara What? you're thinking about a plate of shrimp. Okay. Suddenly somebody will say, like, plate or shrimp or plate, or plate of shrimp. Out of the blue. No explanation. No point in looking for it. It's all part of cosmic unconsciousness.
0: I'm not make monkeys.
1: Christmas i better get going to
0: just trade them, Pee Wee. Listen to reason. Come on. Listen to
1: Reason. Hello and welcome to the Cult Film Companion Podcast, the home of movies that are off, under, and ahead of the cinematic radar. My name is Chris, joined as always with my co host Extraordinaire Andrew. Good afternoon. Good F af- good evening. Good evening, yes. <laughs> it's nine o'clock in the in the at night. Well, they didn't need to know that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we record at all hours. We do. We we um
1: <laughs> We we kinda go where the movies take us, basically. That's right. So before we get into our movie of the week, I just want to remind everyone that the Cult Film Companion Podcast is now available on all major podcast platforms. Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Cult Film Comp, C O L T F I L M, C O M P and please join our Facebook group page. The Cold Film Companion Podcast is also a featured podcast on Newsly. Newsly is an audio app for iOS and Android that finds the latest trending articles about topics that you choose to follow and then reads them to you in a natural human voice. For the first time in the history of the internet, the entire web becomes listenable. Download and use Newsly for free today at www.newsly.me and please use the promo code C O L T F. 1LM. That's Cult Film. Drop the I, pop in a 1 and get a month free of Newsly's premium service. Our podcast is, of course, a featured podcast on Newsly. And we are a featured podcast on the Blind Knowledge Collective at www.blindknowledge.com Your one-stop shop for all sorts of podcasts and video guests from around the world covering a slew of interesting topics that are informative and entertaining. Check out all the fine creators at blindknowledge.com today. And for our movie of the week, we are wrapping up July, and there's no better way to wrap up the month of July with a little bit of Christmas. So we are talking about the 1940 Preston Sturgis classic Christmas in July, which is based on a 1931 play called A Cup of Coffee, also written by Preston Sturgis. This movie was filmed from June 1st, 1940, to June 29th, 1940, and then talk about a turnaround of extraordinary proportions that just don't happen in today's market, where most movies need to be spend a lot more time in post-production than they actually do filming. I, I'm looking at you, MCU, and all you CGI little nasty movies. <laughs> this movie was released a mere three months later, on October 18th, 1940. So, <laughs> this this movie...
0: No, neither in July, neither in December. No, That's but funny. I think
1: it's, it's <laughs> they very They just int- cranked it out. <laughs> well, here's the thing. When you first hear Christmas in July, it wasn't a title that necessarily appealed to me because it almost seemed like a very cheesy kind of thing. It is. And I almost kind of expected the movie to be that, but it's not. This no. movie is... Well, uh, this is the word that I kept using while we watched it the first time. Brilliant. Okay, I I yeah. kept saying brilliant. Yeah. Because. There's so much about this movie, and it just briefly about the title. So it was originally based on a play called "A Cup of Coffee," the other work which was also the working title originally for the movie, and one of the other working titles was "Something to Shout About," which yeah.
0: we just we just watched a commentary uh, by a, a film critic. I forget her name, but she she cited that as her personal favorite. That is a great title. It is something to shout about. Those it was it was also called for about five minutes. The New Yorkers, right? I think yeah. But she just right off the bat. Let me. Did you want to get into details di- technical? Okay. No. She she talks about the whole Christmas theme, and she talks about two interpretations. The first interpretation being like uh, being akin to a miracle happening. Right. But yeah. The second interpretation uh, being about gifts, which they're the spirit of very, giving. The spirit, the spirit of, of giving. giving. Spirit right. of giving.
1: It's it's amazing. I think we all know these people. We all have certain people in our lives that. Something happens to them around Christmas time, and oh, yeah, the genero- like the feeling of generosity. Right. And, um, I've
0: always been very cynical about it. I'm like, why can't you be this way year round?
1: Yeah, I, yeah. I'm the same way. Yeah. So to me, I would say that the most the most Christmas esque about this, there is a scene where he is kind of. We should probably give a plot synopsis regarding into this, but there is a scene at the end where he's giving out gifts to the entire neighborhood, primarily the children. And it's very Christmas esque. It's very Santa Claus esque. But to me, this movie is all about the feeling of Christmas as a young kid—that hope and optimism. Those couple seconds, I remember that me and my brothers waiting at the top of the stairs before our parents yeah. let us let us down for all the, the, the to see what Santa Claus. What's gonna for. be under the tree? Right. So this movie is very much kind of like he's got that
0: personality. He's got that enthusiasm. The main character. Yeah, well, Dick Powell. So who? Th- what's Jimmy, his, Jimmy? Jimmy? Jimmy
1: is our protagonist, played by Dick Powell. Who's? Who's? He's. He starts out being, like I said, he. It's about a story about a man who basically benefits from a practical joke gone r- wrong. Yeah, there's this this radio contest to come up with a new slogan for Maxwell's coffee. Yeah. And his slogan is... And he works for a coffee company, he too. He works for the, the competitor. The competitor coffee company. <laughs> so they're asking for a new slogan, and the prize is $25,000. Which, which I
0: guess in these days would uh, so adjusted, equal
1: about a half a million dollars. Uh, adjusted for us would be about $500,000. Yeah. yeah. So not, not, not a... Not a small prize. No. And this movie kind of... He starts out with... And you he repeat, repeats his slogan... Many times throughout the... Please, please tell the listeners this slogan, because I think, I
0: think, I'll talk about when I first saw this movie, but I've known about this movie for years, and I think it's only now, here, tonight, that I fully understand this slogan that he had. Right. So go ahead and tell the listeners. The
1: slogan that he has come up, that Jimmy has come up with is, if you can't sleep at night, it isn't the coffee, it's the bunk. Now, <laughs> now there are. First of all, he's there are numerous yeah. there are numerous ways to interpret this. Yes, but as we've come from doing a little bit of research, and thankfully from this this commentary, Preston Sturgis would often sneak in a turn of phrase, or had a way of getting around what the censors probably would uh, raise an eyebrow to. Sure, because this could be interpreted numerous ways. Now I'm not sure what 1930s 1940s s- slang was like, but I mean there's a numerous different ways that bunk could be missing <laughs> Gotcha. Now, I see
0: you're al- I'm already learning more. This one little slogan has had me kind of perplexed for years. Now, the slogan which it's based on what he considers a myth which is coffee? Cof- that, yes. Coffee does not keep you awake; it helps you go to sleep. And his, so that's the bunk. That's one of the that's one of the definitions of the a bunk. A bunk is that it's, he's he's debunking what everyone thinks coffee does, which it actually does do. Well, and that's and that's what his his girlfriend says. She's like, everybody numerous. knows coffee keeps you awake. What are you talking about? You're never going to win this
1: contest. Well, that's the thing. Numerous people throughout the course of this movie point out. The hypoc, not the hypocrisy, just like the, the irrationality. It's of not it. right. It's a and it's not. And actually, one of the characters it's not true. mishears him and thinks that the slogan is: "If you can't sleep at night, it's it isn't the bunk; it's the coffee." Right, which makes <laughs> a lot more sense. That does make more sense.
0: And, that does make that's then, a better
1: slogan, actually. Yes. <laughs> See, that's the thing. So,
0: but wait, let's let's round this out. Also, he the one of the punchlines is.
1: If you're sleeping on a bunk bed, right, it's going to be the bunk bed that's keeping you awake, not the coffee, or even not just a not even just a bunk bed, but I I know I think in the army they refer to like your bed as your bunk. Okay. So, so it's, it's your kinda, bed. It's basically said, yeah, your mattress is <laughs> you need a new <laughs> mattress is kind of like what he's trying to say. So keep it's buying,
0: not- keep buying Maxwell's coffee because and it's, drink it before you go to sleep because yes. it's not the coffee it's the bunk yes. it's the mattress right you'll sleep
1: better with if you drink like a pot of our coffee <laughs> it's now this movie is is very much tied into the world of advertising and consumerism yes in, in many 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 different ways but I
0: which is attached to capitalism and materialism which were these are all themes that come to the
1: foreground of this know, movie never before can I think of a movie that's just barely over an hour. This runs less than 70 minutes. I think we're talking... 67 minutes. 67
0: minutes. It flies right by. It's jam-packed. You get a full movie in 67 minutes.
1: You get more than a full movie because there is so much going on in here that you... Stuff that you don't pick up on until, like, your second or third Mm rewatch. There, This movie is... And I have to say, not only is the direction uh, spot on, like, I paused and pointed out numerous scenes and there's one particular cut that comes out of nowhere towards the end of the movie that if you know the movie then you know what I'm talking about. There's this wacky scene accompanied by a kazoo slide that goes And it's a weird special effect that you
0: don't see in movies of that era where you're going through what are you doing? They're in an elevator. They're waiting for, th- an elevator. for an elevator in one building, and then you're going through the window behind them all the way through this marquee in a building way, like, I don't know. On the over. other
1: side of the city.
0: And then going through the window of that building to
1: see... Dr. Maxwell.
0: Dr. Maxwell and our 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 favorite here, Dr.... What Bill is bon- Mr. Mr. Uh, Bill... Bill Dox. Bill Doxer.
1: Bill Doxer. Docks, Docks, who yeah. we'll
0: get into in a minute.
1: I kept saying brilliant because this movie... I would say the direction is spot on but script wise I I, and I could see how this would be just a brilliant play
0: yeah it reads as a play a lot especially with the 2 of them sitting on the rooftop at the beginning I,
1: I would imagine as an actor this is the kind of script that you would get to do as a play that you would just be like this is just like brilliant yeah I mean, I wish. Yeah, I wish I were still involved in theater. I would I would do I would
0: direct it. Yeah. I want to read a cup of coffee now.
1: Yeah. The way that the characterizations are and sometimes the jokes are a little slapstick and a little on the nose. But more often than not, the jokes, the way that the jokes play out is through this subtle form of storytelling that you don't see a lot anymore. The humor in this movie doesn't. It's not crass. It's not slapstick. Not that there's anything wrong with slapstick. There are some. There's some definite in, slapstick moments th- th- in this there's movie. Some, there's some physical comedy moments, but it's just the way that these lines are written and delivered. There what are is certain.
0: That one, what does one character say? Cut. Cut a groove. Meaning hurry
1: up. Yeah. Right? But there's like cut a groove el- like eloquently or like el- slowly cut a groove, something. There's yeah. just so many turns of phrase here that I can see being stolen by other people. And if yeah. you're going to, s- I always like this, this, this quote. I'm not sure who it's attributed to, but someone said, if you're going to steal, steal from the best. Right, And there are certain scenes in this movie. There is one scene in, in in the office space of this movie that if Terry Gilliam didn't lift it for the office scenes in Brazil, then...
0: Where they're all filing in. They're ch- being they, funneled into well, their offices.
1: They're waiting patiently until, I guess, it's 9 o'clock and it, it's time to punch in. And like, yeah. You officially are on the clock. Yeah. But they file down meticulously. It's like a... It's, what did I say? It's like a conveyor belt a conveyor belt of employees coming down the hallway like walking in between until they get to their respective desks yes so back to the plot (laughs) because i'm hoping that if you this is one of the episodes that if you haven't seen the movie i would strongly recommend watching first um like i said it's 67 minutes you're not going to find a better way to spend an hour and in seven minutes yeah it's there's something for everyone here.
0: Yep it's a, it's a good, it's a really tight, tight flick. I, I want to I comment on, uh, on his, his, his writing and his, di- and his dialogue. I worked, uh, just real quick, I worked at a video store back in the 90s in New York, and uh, we had a whole section devoted to Preston Sturges. And everyone else that worked there, the staff loved his work. I don't remember watching any of them during that time. It wasn't until years later where I was alone with my dog for Christmas, and I was fine with it because I, my dog and I were Barnabas, yeah, (laughs) buddies, and so I was, Barnabas and I had a Christmas together, and I watched TCM that night and saw a slew of really good flicks, and they showed a double feature of Preston Sturges, Sturges Sturgeses, and, uh, one of them was Christmas in July, and the other one was Remember the Night with Barbara Stanwyck and Fred McMurray, uh, which also is set in Christmas time. Uh, the, the, the synopsis is Love Glooms Between a Sympathetic Attorney and the Comely Shoplifter he has taken home for the Christmas holiday. It's awesome. It's a great flick. But I immediately recognized the wit and originality. Oh in his in his dialogue in his writing I was really really kind of floored by it I found it extremely contemporary very witty very intelligent I wanted to use all of the lines that I heard in these movies It's like it's, this is how
1: I want to live this is how I want to talk It's timeless his writing mm-hmm. it's not it's not bogged down in... Anything, really. Even, there's even, no even cultural...
0: Even with the themes explored in this movie that we're talking about, he keeps it very buoyant.
1: These are just generational, spanning themes of... It just the American dream. What does the American dream really mean? Mm-hmm. And 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 also just the just timeless themes. Mm-hmm. Like nothing here. I mean, it was written during the depression and came out right right, right when so, World War II was come. Okay, so this is important.
0: Actually, the play was written in nineteen performed in nineteen thirty one. Written in nineteen thirty one. Written in nineteen thirty one. I wonder when it was performed. But anyway, that's the beginning of the depression right, right. there. The stock market crash was in twenty nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then when the movie comes out it's almost 10 years later and now we're on the brink of World War II right so but it reads to me the movie has always read I've always thought it was 1930s instead of 1940 but I mean still it's on the tail, tail end of the 30s but still it reads to me much more as a depression era story right than uh, a, a you know World War and
1: II And the fact that it was written during the depression it comes through in the writing so it's very much the working man's woes kind mm-hmm. of thing. i mean, thinking, th- and we, we had this this off mics discussion about the lottery, and it's oh. very much, you could easily, easily replace, I, I don't think the movie would be as clever, but kind of this guy banking on everything if he won the lottery. Right. Now, through a series of um, what starts out as a practical joke by some of his coworkers sending him a telegram saying that he won, he thinks he won, so he's that. That's when we see this transformation. Of and the telegram character. is convincing. The telegram that's, is that's
0: convincing, key right? Because
1: it, he's able to collect his money based on that telegram. He's everyone is convinced. He's yeah. convinced. People running the, the contest are convinced. His boss is convinced. E- now, yeah, right. Even right. Even Doctor Maxwell himself. Right. The
0: owner the of the tele- company.
1: Now, he's like, okay. Well, then give him. Give him the check. Now this could this is now nowadays with social media and the range of just the the way that we have technology set up this is not something that would ever happen nowadays to the not to the not just
0: the lack of communication between all of the different parties yeah. right right i mean dr I
1: maxwell mean, takes looks at this telegram doesn't question him for a second because it looks so legit nowadays you know he would have to go through attorneys and lawyers and the accountants so i mean you got there is a sense of um even back
0: then that might have been the case but for all intents and purposes it's kept the way it is for the movie's plot and you buy it but he you buy it but even the secretary is like oh we didn't know they had chosen
1: a winner well but it's also kind of clarified because we see that Doctor Maxwell has pretty much had it with this contest. Yeah. Because this right whole, there's a radio show that's banking on this new slogan being released, and they have to go off the air, and they're like, "This is unheard of." Well, they why are we going off the air? They don't because they haven't chosen
0: a winner because it's been stalled. What's the word, expression? Stalemate or something? It's just been a stalemate. The, yeah, it by. By the character that I was mentioning you, it earlier. It was a hung jury. Mr. Bildox, a hung jury, right? As if it's a court of law, and it's for this contest, this advertising contest. Now, Doctor, uh, Mr. Bildox is played by William Demarest. He's... Fantastic. Yes, he's in, and he, apparently he's in a lot of
1: Preston Sturgis movies. Ten out of thirteen.
0: Okay, I've only seen the two that I've mentioned, so and, I don't, well, I don't know the others. But brief he also, sidebar,
1: he, to, yeah, to, to coincide with what you said. For the longest time, when you first mentioned this, I kept saying, to, "I know that I've seen a Preston Sturgis movie," but for the life of you, it wasn't until today that I was able to to pinpoint. And a shout out to Mr. Caruso, one of my, my favorite high school teacher, who was my English teacher, and then I took media studies, which was fascinating, and then he taught a film studies class, and I was in his inaugural film studies class. It was the first time that... The, the school district allowed him to do a film studies class. I was in his very first one. Nice. And he saw showed us a Preston Sturgis movie, and it wasn't until we watched with the commentary that I was able to remember it was The Miracle at Morgan's Creek. There you go. Which, that was the one that I had seen, which we will talk about at some time, but... Because I knew that I'd seen a Preston Sturgis movie. I just wasn't sure. And all the big ones that, like the real McGinty and um, there was a couple the other. The Great McGinty. The Great McGinty. Yeah. Um,
0: Palm Sto- Palm Beach Story.
1: Right. There, there, there are a lot. There are a lot. And I couldn't figure it out. So I had seen The Miracle at Morgan's Creek, which is another movie where he slipped some very questionable material past the censors. Because it does deal with a woman... Just watch it. It's it deals with a woman that that after a night of partying with uh, many men uh, finds out that she's pregnant with sextuplets. That's crazy. Um, I mean, this is
0: this is this is what we're talking about. He's the 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 mind, the wheels that turn in Preston Sturges's head are nuts. Unmatched. It's unmatched. It's unmatched. He's able to make sense out of craziness of nonsense. Of like, nonsense. There you go. He, yeah. So anyway. I wanted to talk about William Demarest really quickly. Sure. because is he in that movie that you just mentioned? Is that yes. why you interrupted me talking about him? He to is. Mention? Yes, okay. that was one of the that so, was one of the ones. Yes, he went on later to do My Three Sons with Fred McMurray on television. Fred McMurray actually did more than one. I think uh, Preston Sturges movie. William Demarest is also well known for the original Don't Be Afraid of the Dark, which came out on Halloween on television in 1972 or 1974. Uh, he was terrific in that. He played the maintenance man of the house where the little creatures live and knows the whole story about that. We'll do that sometime for Yeah, because
1: that's one of, um, there's like, I think, I I remember reading a list. There's like five made-for-TV horror movies that that I would say stand up to like a mainstream... Well, that that caused a huge...
0: Uh, uproar because parents called television stations and said my yeah. children are crying because of this movie you're putting on TV.
1: Similar, that's what happened with uh, Toby Hooper when he did um, Stephen King's Salem's Lot. The, the yeah, t- well, that's
0: a scary ass fucking. Yeah, flick. absolutely. So, like, that's one yeah. of those things that where yeah. you see.
1: And, and speaking of made for TV movies, we covered Duel, and that was originally the made for uh, made for TV that's right. movie,
0: right? And th- which had a subsequent theatrical release in right. Europe. Yeah. So anyway. Back to Christmas in July.
1: Um, right. So again, it's kind of the child. It's your. Fi- it's just like it gives you the feeling of, of, of Christmas. It does. There's a it lo- kind of instews this optimism, and com- camaraderie that seems to come about during Christmas t- time. That time of year mm-hmm. that ev- that, like you said, evaporates <laughs> in certain right. people.
0: Now, but to. The, the commentator on the commentary that we just watched did a good job at distinguishing between Preston Sturges and Frank Capra, this movie in particular, with something like It's a Wonderful Life, right. uh, where there's a lot of uh, sentimentality and a lot of idealism. Yes. In Christmas and July, there's really minimal sentimentality, and the idealism gets subverted, very, very, uh, very obviously subverted. Yeah. You know? so there's much more this is much more of a thinking man's it's a wonderful life i think so you could
1: very easily enjoy this movie and um i would recommend if a first time watch don't watch with me or andrew because we will constantly be because this movie had set when we watched it i can't count how many times we had to pause because we were talking about just the ideas that, like this one line brought up, or just like a certain performance, or just certain edits in the way that it's filmed that you just don't see anymore. Apparently, for some of the larger, like, it looks like it's a a very it's a very meticulously scripted and choreographed movie, but apparently. Preston Sturgis, for a lot of some of these big group scenes, had an open set and would allow people to kind of walk on so he and could... react, g- I guess. So he could gauge the reaction. Yeah. Are my jokes landing? Like, is the pacing... Like, yeah. are, are, like, are they delivering the lines at a good pace where the well, jokes can... S- his material
0: is so offbeat, it's so off the wall, that I would I'm not surprised to hear that actually he wouldn't need to test it out to see actually what was funny and what isn't. Right. I mean this whole slogan about it's not the coffee, it's the bunk, I mean I think it's hilarious, but I was just I just like I didn't understand it at all. And I think that's kind of the point. It's like you're not really supposed to understand So what is going on with with Jimmy, it's Jimmy, right? Right, Jimmy, yes. Yeah, yeah, in his head. I mean, that's about as quirky, quirky. That's a good word to describe, this writing and these these characters. And And
1: it doesn't look like it's going to, like, if you look at the uh, theatrical poster or the cover of the the fine Kino Lorber Blu-ray that you get, it doesn't look like it's going to be a screwy,
0: screwball, quirky, you and know, you th- and hallmark I hallmark om- movie
1: of the season. And it almost started that way, like the scene on the rooftop. Like, I was not feeling Jimmy because he's very d- cold and disconnected and cynical and bitter about. He's right. He doesn't his, want to get married no, until he's got money. He he loves his fiance. They are very much in love. She's much more. He's a little too realistic. He's kind of set in this mindset, but at the mindset. same time, idealistic. Like he's entering That's this
0: contest; thing. he's got all his bets on this contest. When I win this contest, when he's it's not the first time he's entered this contest.
1: No, so, and it's not the first time apparently where he's pitched slogans like this.
0: Yeah, and I mean pro- later when they when he, they give him when they're about to give him a promotion and they're talking to him inside the you know the the the, the, the suit the offices to the suits of the company that he works for. Right. And he's coming up with another slogan,
1: and it's like it's... Bread it's the, and the beans. Bread and the beans, it's, what is it? It's, it's the, a blue, it's like a blue, 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 it's supposed to be blue-collar coffee, it's like... For the blue bloods. Yes, for the blue bloods. It's got, for the, blue, it's mm. got the word blood in, in I mean, it's, yeah, but, it's, they're, but they're, you know, they're
0: like, he won the contest, I love it, I love it, I love it.
1: And yes, you heard us, bread, B-R-E-D, and there's actually a brief conversation in the movie about the way that it's phrased, and the the, the I guess the way that it should be said... Because they don't want the listener to mis- misinterpret it to and think be it's B-R-E-D, bread, yeah, to bread. Be like yeah, like because the bread,
0: it's right, the one of them wants to take out the, the right. Then it's going to be bread for coffee or bread and co- or something like that. It's but bread in it, the putting beans, putting the, the, some, yeah. Putting the in the middle or at the beginning makes it sound like you know b r e a d, right. Yeah. So there's just so much
1: crammed into this movie every second. But you see, like I said, like I was, I, w- I wasn't feeling Jimmy in that first scene because he's, he, like you said, he's very, he's like a walking hypocrisy because he's very, he's contradiction. too, contradiction. Well, I like walking hypocrisy. <laughs> you think of him as a hypocrite? Um, In the first scene, really? because he's like you said, he's very judgmental of you. He's extremely well. <laughs> no. It's a fictional character. I'm oh, to judge. really? Okay, <laughs> gotcha. Um, but he's he's simultaneously extremely idealistic, but a little too realistic. Like I said, the like, fact that he
0: doesn't want to get married until they have a ton of money. Right. I mean that whole thing. I mean, and she's
1: and she's just like, "What are you? Are you kidding me?" Because then he starts. He starts going off on these theoretical things that could happen. He's like, well, what happens when you're pregnant? And then we have a baby. And then there's my mom. And then there's your mom. And then he's, like I said, he's being too realistic. He's thinking about, yes, these things could happen in the future in a marriage. Yes, you could have children. Yes, your parents might get sick when they get older. But for him to be so... I know. That's why I said it makes, it, it, it makes you wonder if he
0: wants to get married it a little bit. It does, and mm-hmm. it turns
1: out that he does. Mm-hmm.
0: He just, There's a lot of things about him that turn out to be good, which is probably where you're going with this. Right. So go ahead with that, because so actually it's, she talked about it in the commentary too. So instead of being
1: <laughs> one of these movies where money corrupts, we see this transformation in him where he becomes this, oh, like, Hugely optimistic but grateful person. He's a good guy. He, he really likes his he, intentions. He got them. See,
0: and this is the thing. So, this is very. This is a huge comment on capitalism in, in and of itself within the movie and within his character. Once he gets a lot of money. It seems it does genuinely seem to make him a better person, a very generous, a very giving person,
1: and there's no pretense about it. It seems to be his real, genuine nature. Now he immediately, once he wins this money, he immediately starts thinking of, a uh, he, um, I want to buy my mom this nice convertible bed, and we need to buy a, a present for so and so, and what about so and so down the street? He goes, we might, we need to go up and down. She says it.
0: She says, we might as well start up one corner of the street and go to the next, go to the other side. I'm just looking for the movie. Here we go.
1: Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, about getting presents for everyone. Yeah, and they and do. She, and, and that's exactly. And that's, Everybody. The scene, that's the scene where it turns into Christmas. It does. Because he's basically Santa Claus on the front steps of his, uh, on the stoop in front of his house, handing out presents. And he's handpicked presents for every single for person for every person in particular the children yes and that's what that's why i said like that's where the christmas spirit comes in he's almost and i don't like this cliche but i'm going to say it anyway cuz it's crept into my mind he's very almost grinch like at first it's almost and then it's a turnaround then it's a turnaround and i almost see this as like like you were saying this people that are or Grinch's 11, 11 and a half months out of the year, then something happens, like, December 15th, that, like, all of a sudden this switch happens in people. I know, people. I know. And then that switch goes off on January 2nd. Basically.
0: <laughs> Basically, yeah.
1: But, so this is kind of... It imbibes it the Christmas spirit by... She even... His fiance even says to him, you didn't get a gift for yourself. He... He immediately, instead of thinking, like I said, it's not a, a story of where money corrupts. He's not thinking about all the nice cars he's going to buy or the house he's going to buy or the honeymoon that he's going to take his fiance on. He's thinking about what am I going to buy for my mom? What am I going to buy for my fiance's mom? Like, what am I going to do for my family, for my friends, for everyone that's grown up around me? Mm-hmm. And I think that the one of the most important takeaways upon this second viewing that that I got was that he's much more he actually ends up getting a promotion because of of his newfound wealth and it's the mask of wealth which is a I, I is not a phrase that I can take credit for it that was from the commentary and it is he's and you said this when when you're rich and famous you get all the free stuff
0: that's when they give you free shit
1: and that's exactly tons and tons what pre-shirt. happens. So right, they go to I don't know what this, this huge store department is. It's store. It's like a
0: Gimbal's or a Macy's or it's something. It's a huge
1: department store because they have everything. Mm-hmm. They go there to get an engagement ring, and I guess the biggest present to himself that he's giving himself is the fact that he's finally giving himself permission to marry this woman.
0: Ah, very
1: interesting. That's right, cause he, right. because right, because right, he's right, right. the only th- because you would like you said you question whether or not he gets married, but it's true. The only thing that was really holding this guy back. Was financial security? Yeah, yep, yep. yep which yep, yep, yep. and it's so it's not a tale of money corrupting and, and money making a bad person. And if you want to see that, watch Scarface.
0: <laughs> okay, <laughs> where
1: you see money, you see which I think
0: there's an old black and white of actually. There is. Yeah, it was a yeah, uh,
1: yeah. uh, it was a uh, Howard Hawks. That's right. Yes, it was. Um, it was. Yeah. So shout out to the original Scarface. But I was talking more about the uh, eighty one De Palma. Pacino. Yes. Al Pacino playing a Cuban. Um, yes. So it's the story of this man who's like you see his tr- he becomes like a he becomes a kid at Christmas. Yep. Yeah. That's kind of what this money does for him. Cuz it gives him a sense of confidence and it gives him a sense of opportunity because now now he's being taken seriously by his boss's boss who all of a sudden, since he won a slogan for the competitor's coffee, he wants his own slogan now from this guy, because if he won a contest of these thousands of people, of course we need need our own slogan for him. Yep, from the same guy. And the Blue Blood Coffee slogan, I don't know word for word, because it's not repeated ad nauseum, as the bunk one is, is actually not a bad slogan. Uh,
0: Right, so it looks like he might be actually uh,
1: capable for... Of his promotion, right? Yeah, until and it seems like he's getting away with everything because through this false, unfortunately, false sense of confidence that this money has given him, he gets this this kind of fame, and it's it is the cult uh, the cult of celebrity that once the manager at the um, at the jewelry counter is kind of trying to upsell them on engagement rings until. He finds out that this this guy just won this contest. Not only has he won the contest, but he's got the check. And once the guy sees the check, eh, he immediately like, calls over the accountant. And is like, you got to see this.
0: And they basically start giving him stuff, giving right. both of them all the gifts that the they're the fiancé gets
1: a fur coat. Yeah, them. but all,
0: all the gifts that they're giving to their neighborhood um, is basically for free. And we've t- we've talked about this. Like they never they always. Return the check to him.
1: Um, so he because probably, he keeps saying, "You hold on to the check, can, mm-hmm. or hold on to the check, and you give me the change." And they're like, "Sir, we don't have this kind. We can't right. give you the change right, for this. Right. But we know you're good for it." Right.
0: So, so it becomes a huge. It does become like Christmas. Yeah, it really does. But I mean, it's so it all <laughs> it all gets taken away just as quickly as it's given. Right. Actually, it's not in the end taken
1: away, is it? Everyone gets to keep their gifts, right? Well, I said it's it's a wash... I would say it's a wash plus one. Now, what does that mean? Money-wise, at the end of the movie, it turns out that he doesn't have... Well, we don't know, because the final shot of the movie... Well, the final shot of the movie is them going down in an elevator, but the scene before that... We find out that because maybe he, he did actually. Well, he did. He does end up winning the contest, right? But this is after Doctor Maxwell thinks that he's gotten a, fa- a fast one pulled on him. Yes. He thinks that this is all a scam, right? So he he t- he asks in front of the huge crowd of people, "Can I see the check that I gave you?" And he goes, "Of course you can." Immediately rips it up right in front in of everybody. In front of everyone. In front of everyone. So. We think okay, he doesn't have the money, but it turns out that um, all these people start sticking up for him. They're mm-hmm. like, I know I've known him for years. The, the beat cop that's like, mm-hmm. I've known this kid before. What was it, knee high of a cockroach mm-hmm. or something like that? Mm-hmm. So everyone starts vouching for him. They're like, there's no way he could have known. And someone even points out, even points out exactly what the plot ha- He goes, Is there any way that this is a mistake and that he did actually win, or that there is a miscommunication? Now, throughout the movie, there are several instances where this one guy, the uh, the brains behind the operation of the of the um, the practical joke, three guys, three guys who Preston Sturges Tom, Dick, and Harry.
0: named Tom, Dick, and Harry.
1: Now, one of them, uh, the the largest of the guys, just physically, tries several times to explain to not only Jimmy but to other people what exactly happened that it was all a practical joke, and he didn't know. He
0: always gets railroaded, though. Yeah. He doesn't get the chance to do it. So it carries on and carries on and carries on. But...
1: but through, it just blows up. But he finally... So I say it's a wash, because money-wise, we don't know what happens. Money... because If we he don't, won at the end, then... He probably gets the check. But the check's already been ripped up, and the he only... He probably gets another check. It hasn't been announced yet, and the only... The only person on the jury that wanted his slogan was... Was Mr. Bildox. Right. Yeah. Everyone else had this other slogan in mind. Yeah, William Demarest. So there's so much going on in this movie because there's so many different kind of A and B plots going on. Yeah. And there's, you know... It's very... It is very screwball
0: and complex in the way it's... it's right. present Everything. Everything. But if you So wa- it's almost like you're picking and choosing what to pay attention to throughout the whole movie.
1: It's very complex, but in a way that if you wanted to just sit back and watch this movie with your like your mind half off and just go by face value and not really dive into some of the themes and meanings that are going on here, there's enough quotable dialogue and there's enough interesting shots, and it's paced in a way, and it only lasts a little over an hour, that you could easily just watch this and not... As a date movie or as a feel-good flick. It's not not
0: even that much of a feel-good flick, but it... No, it's not. Yeah. It's actually... It's almost a downer... Ending well, well, and it's kind of anxiety-inducing well, as well because you're wondering what's going to happen when the shit goes down,
1: right? And but, and
0: you do you get a delivery of all of that.
1: So at the very end, like what he he gets a promotion, so he finally gets to be the idea man that he kind of always wanted to be. Mm-hmm. He gets a private office. He's going to get a secretary, and you know he's finally getting his little corner of the universe, I would say. He's finally getting his place in the world mm-hmm. that, he, that he's wanted.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, I mean, and he flat out asks his boss, well, his new boss, which was his boss's boss, but now he's working directly under the boss, was the only reason that you listened to me and my ideas... Was because of the, I won the contest, and he says yes, <laughs> absolutely.
0: And he's and it's a good, it's a good, it's well written monologue that he delivers. He's like, look, he's like, I'm not that smart, you know, I'm not going to m- make decisions based on my own thoughts and what I think. I'm going to listen a to other people. Right, he's a capitalist. Right, he's a capitalist. Right, I'm going to listen to what other people say, and I'm going to make the best decision based on what everybody says. Right. and
1: thinks. because when he first gives this blue blue blood blue collar coffee promotion when he first gives the slogan to his boss the boss looks at him kind of thinkingly, but then immediately looks over to like his brain trust, where he's got like three or four other guys. Yeah. And once these other four people go nuts over the slogan, he goes so nuts. the boss goes over the moon right. over there it. you go. There you have so it. So that's, that's so telling. That's, that is so telling. And so it's a very Just it's an, a very sly stab at capitalism. Yeah. Because we get we got two there's two very big capitalists in this movie. Doctor Maxwell is a huge... I mean, because, well, not only is he a doctor, but he's, like, you know, he's got his own radio show, and he's got this this coffee business, and he's got... Lord knows what other businesses he may have as well under, under his, like, little um, operation that he's got going on. But there's just so much... Um, There's so many sly stabs at capitalism. Yes. And the American dream. And can money really buy happiness?
0: And what the American dream eventually boils down to in this movie is being given a chance. Mm -hmm. And and that is the monologue that she gives, that his fiancé gives, that Betty gives, um, at the very end to the new boss. And it saves the day. It saves his promotion even though it becomes a trial promotion right. a very trial promotion with no raise no raise
1: same yeah. salary
0: yeah and we will test you out and we'll see how it goes but it it's being given a chance being so, given a chance and that's enough that's enough for a happy ending quote unquote for this movie you know so
1: it's almost like the american dream is in this movie like you said given a chance at what you th- at your dream yeah that's kind of what it is. Yeah, which is a which is very, what it should be. It's not, it should but be. it should be. I mean, yeah. it's just to give yeah. be given a chance for your dream. And, and yeah. so like I said, it's a wash plus 1 because we don't know for sure. We're left hanging. We don't know exactly what the fallout is going to be. We don't know. Of the final it's right, a of very even
0: even the final decision, even about the contest. We, is this yes. is is his choice going to be sustained is Mr. Bildock's choice for Jimmy going to be sustained. Right. You know? But either way, he gets his promotion for a trial basis.
1: Right. And they're so going to see how get, it goes. He gets his chance. That's why it's mm-hmm. a wash plus one, because mm-hmm. we don't know what happens with the money. Mm-hmm. We know everyone gets to keep their presents. Mm-hmm. We know mom gets the nice, beautiful convertible bed that costs, what, $200? Yeah, $190 or
0: 198
1: Again, a, a listener, you put yourself in, you know, 1940s kind and, of thing.
0: And it's... Is it that couch that they show in that seat? Oh, yes. So did you say that Preston Sturgis actually invented the
1: gadget couch? He helped invent the gadget couch, which is like the most incredible fold-out convertible bed you will ever see that also has a function that after you sleep will air shake. out your sheets. It'll shake the, sh- shake the it bed. It shakes the sheets for you <laughs> to air them out. But it folds out, and it's got a nice um bedstand table, and there's a, a place you could put your glasses, um, your eyeglasses, your... Drinking glasses, shoes. I saw like little things that I told you. Look at the little thing. There's a little yeah. spot right at the bottom where your slippers come out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Preston Sturgis, um, Andrew, I'll let you take it. Is no uh, stranger to invention.
0: So Preston Sturgis, and I mean, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna oh, have to read. I mean, I'm gonna have to read what's going on. But I, I know, know.
1: First of all, it started. I guess his first invention was in 1920. Was kissless, um, kiss proof, kiss proof lipstick. What was I believe was like ruby ruby red lips or something? I'm, but he was um, credited with um, kiss proof lipstick. He had ideas. It was for,
0: called red rouge. Red red, Ru- red, red rouge. rouge. Red red rouge. Okay. Red red rouge. So <laughs>
1: he's had quite
0: the life. Like his mother was very well to do. Yes. She was friends with Isadora Duncan, the very famous um, modern ballet dancer.
1: Uh, so he was kind of raised as a socialite. He's kind, yeah. he was almost kind of like lived a, in
0: Europe as a boy and then no. came to America. Um, he was a Broadway. He was a
1: Broadway playwright right. throughout the '30s. But he started getting fr- the reason he, that he switched to directing was that he was getting frustrated. What was it? Easy Living, I believe, was the screenplay that really kind of that he had written that was directed by somebody else. That he kind of that kind of made him say, you know what. I need to direct my own script. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But please go on with his life.
0: Oh well, I mean, there's there's a lot, and it's worth researching. I don't know how much time time I want to spend on it. Yeah, well, I but, mean, I mean, I mean, he did die. He died. He did die at 60 years old. He so, was very young. He, his mother was also friends, or m- <laughs> maybe more than friends, with Aleister Crowley, and Aleister Crowley reportedly nicknamed uh, Preston Sturges the Brat when. Uh, Preston was a boy. Now, so I find
1: this fascinating. I don't want to I don't want to cast judgment on names, but I, I, Preston is one of those names that you almost imagine this baby coming out with a literal silver spoon in their mouth.
0: Yeah, sure.
1: Um, I Like or something like you would imagine that if an Irish boy named Jameson, he would come out with a little. Whiskey? Yeah. you got actually, like, <laughs> if you're going to name your kid Jameson, he's almost bound to have uh, an alcohol problem in the future. Uh, no offense to anyone named Jameson that's uh, listening. Or Preston. It's a fine name, but it's almost one of those names that kind of carries with it a sort of, um... Not pedigree. Mystique. Yeah, pedigree. Thank you. Mm-hmm. It just kind of carries with it. Um, so I would almost, like, anybody, maybe just because your name is Preston, like, you immediately think that he's a brat. But um, he died in the Algonquin Hotel in
0: 1959. I've stayed in the Algonquin Hotel. That's very interesting. It's kind of like you know a lot of people died in the the Chelsea, Chelsea Hotel. Right, 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 right. Um,
1: yeah, yeah. I just vi- revisited the Chelsea Hotel with um. With a, a one of our uh, podcasts that dropped earlier this month for, with Sid and Nancy about the, you know them.
0: Oh right, like um, doesn't half that movie take place in the Chelsea Hotel? Pretty much. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The, uh, the 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 final third of that movie is pretty much in the Chelsea Hotel. But um, and who?
0: There's a writer. Oh, I don't know. I don't know who it is. Who died at, at, in the Chelsea Hotel? Sever- more. Yeah. More than one. More than yeah. very famous people. If there hasn't so. been a
1: documentary made about the Chelsea Hotel, I'm sure there has. Yeah. Um, but if it you want, uh, Preston Sturges is someone that I, there's numerous biographies available about him, and uh, I'm sure there's documentaries. But watch some of his movies. They're, I mean, as far as something that ages like beautifully, like he ate, I hate that ages like a fine wine. Okay, I'll say it. This movie aged like a like a fine fine wine because it is it bring it, it's a timeless tale. You could easily you know remake not I'm not saying that it should be remade, but easily change it to five hundred thousand dollars change it to a half a million dollar prize and it would still
0: work it would, it still would work totally just as well work. and yeah in fact there, I was mentioning something I think from two thousand nineteen that had the same title uh it looks it looks dumb, but uh it they they should have just remade that you know his his script yeah now you were saying, have we mentioned the 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 Lux go ahead with all of that. So in
1: 1950, in 1954, it uh, a, ra- a, a 60 minute radio play version was done with Dick Powell reprising his role. And then I think it was actually ni- 1954, but 1959, then uh, Lux Video Theater did a um, like a uh, a, 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 I guess they A TV adaptation. A TV adaptation, I guess. With
0: with other actors, right?
1: Nobody reprised their role.
0: Lux was soap, I think, if I remember correctly. I think that's what
1: the company. You know, it's probably one of those companies that you like, that owns a great deal of other companies. But I
0: think they were known for soap.
1: Probably, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But that's kind of like again, that speaks to the consumerism. If you want to know, it's almost like you have to do pie, like not pie charts, but like like you need like a whiteboard so you can scope out what is the the main parent company that owns all these little littleer companies that you you would, there's a lot of cross-pollination oh, sure. in products absolutely but that kind of speaks But I to, think Lux
0: soap was known I okay. think people knew they went out and they bought Lux soap in the 1930s
1: okay but yeah that and that speaks what's the doctor doctor the uh, Maxwell. Dr. Maxwell? Right. He's he's got his own ra- like a Mac, Max Dr. Maxwell's radio hour. It's sponsored by his That's right. so like for th-
0: for his company. And
1: that's not uncommon for companies. I mean that's it's again this I mean, is intrinsically advertising.
0: I mean, Maxwell House is a coffee. I right. wonder if this was before Maxwell House, well, or I, if Maxwell House was around, and if this was a, a nod to Maxwell House coffee.
1: See, I don't know, because it didn't come up in the commentary, and it didn't come up in either of our researches. No. So I, wa- I, I, I don't want to even want to make that But it's jump. worth mentioning. I mean, oh, I'm yeah. sure that anyone listening to us know, is familiar with do Maxwell your, House. Do some yeah.
0: research on it, listener, to get back to us. I mean, yeah, because Dr.
1: <laughs> Chock Full of Nuts doesn't sound as good. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. <laughs> Dr. Autocrat, Do- Dr. It would be now. Dr. Senka, the, the remake today would be like Dr. Starbucks. Oh, be, you know,
0: I mean that's basically what we're talking about here. Right? That's basically where we're going with this. Mm-hmm. That I mean that's very telling right there. And for like you know for for fortuitous, yeah. I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean really. The Doctor Maxwell would be the you know quote Doctor Starbucks yep. of today. Yeah, I mean that's how big we're talking. Yeah, big. So that's and no wonder if you won a, a, a contest for Starbucks for half a million dollars, and went to Macy's, they would start throwing shit
1: at you. And you're damn they right, they really Dunk, would. Dunkin' Donuts would be knocking at your door for a slogan for that's them. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so I mean that's kind of like you could see this as it's a romantic comedy it's a screwball comedy it's a comedy of misunderstandings it's a co- it's a a comedy with ridiculous characters like Dr Maxwell is ridiculous. He's hilarious, though. He's my though. favorite. He, he's my your favorites. favorite, and you love t- tell, tell the scene that you love so my, much. My fav- there are a couple scenes where he's just standing at this huge apparatus <laughs> that today would all be uh, we, it would basically be like if your cell phone was this huge mega computer where he's pressing buttons and he's talking to one department and immediately hangs up and talks to another department, then another one. He's basically All deliver- on his own. All on his own. He's basically delivering a monologue while right re- He's ranting and raving like a madman. He's trying, trying to, to find, get answers. He's trying to find yes.
0: everyone that works for him, but they're all, they're all shut up in that room trying to you know stalemate about the contest winner. And and he doesn't even know. The, and finally, I'm, he's at the end of the monologue. He's like, oh, they're all in that
1: room still? Yeah, he's paging all <laughs> these different people. And I told you it, it was very reminiscent to me of Boom and Elizabeth Taylor oh, right. with this with intercom, intercom system. system going through. <laughs> but it's basically... It's, it would be basically like your boss, like if he was ranting and raving, and instead of going into everyone's cubicle or everyone's office area, just p- pushing a button, talking to you, then muttering to himself, pushing another button, <laughs> talking to another employee, then calling his secretary and going, why is nobody responding to me? Because <laughs> yeah. they're all in the meeting, sir, or they're all tied up in the jury room. He goes... What do you mean? I just gave away the prize money. Ah, and you're just that's like, right. What? <laughs> <laughs> and then we and haven't then declared. Now a prize. the stakes have been yeah. raised even more. They're like, yeah. we haven't decided a winner yet. Right. What are you talking about? <laughs> right, he right. goes, "What am I talking about? What are you talking about? <laughs> I just gave away a winner." And <laughs> jumping, it's, Joseph. Yeah, he doesn't say that. No, but like, <laughs> I mean, it's it's so cl- it's so clever that a, a line like this any other movie would seem a little too on the nose for me, but it works perfectly in this movie. That just kind of sums up the genius of the screenwriting is that he explains to Jimmy that in, on any other occasion on, and on every other occasion where there has been a grand prize winner, there has always been the press. Always. Oh, right. right, right and he goes, right. but... I mean, due to circumstances, and this is just like, you know, we've been waiting on this for a while, so we're just going to bypass the press. And I just want you to know that usually there would be press, but there's just going to be me and you and uh, the, no other witnesses. <laughs> like, here's <laughs> the money. Yeah.
0: Here's
1: the, here's the check and here's my signature. And So, like, any other movie, I'd be like, that's really on the nose. But it works in this mm-hmm. movie because it shows wh- how... Dr. Maxwell thinks he's been duped mm-hmm. and how Jimmy doesn't have any proof other than his own word because there was no press. There was no other witnesses to say... Well, he, he
0: just has that telegram. That right, fake telegram. Fake, which is very well done. Yeah, well well faked. But then ripped up immediately. Right. And he doesn't have a second copy of this telegram. Well, is it the check that he rips up or does he rip up the telegram too? I think too? he rips
1: up both. Does he? Eh. Doesn't matter. He definitely rips up the check it probably doesn't matter it probably doesn't matter what the telegram says at that point if the checks ripped up um so it all ends up but, but you're left there's not a... I mean you're left kind of you're left to to Whatever you think Jimmy's future is, you're allowed to imagine, because this movie doesn't give you anything Mm-mm. conclusive. Mm-mm. It would be but it le- ripe
0: for a sequel, actually, but would, we don't get It would, but one. it's
1: almost genius in that its you own leave it that level. Way. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, so often, I think, a sequel... I mean, I can name several, but very, how many times does a sequel uh, surpass the original? Or, even, or even live up... To the original, very rare. So I almost, I'm kind of glad that what we're left. I I do think the ending is a bit abrupt, but given that it was only filmed in 28 days, I mean, we. uh, But the
0: abruptness is awesome. I remember being like, "That's it. That's the movie." Yeah, just flew right by. Yeah, and it does. It flies Um, right by.
1: So you're left, but it's almost a downer ending. But there's enough. There's a crumb there that he's still been. He's given this opportunity, and the atmosphere is still very light and comedic. It's yeah. It's very it's optimistic mm-hmm. about that he's gotten his chance, and the fact that 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 his second slogan, that second blue, blue collar, blue blood, coffee slogan, isn't half bad. Yeah, is it a, might work. Is a sliver of optimism. Yes, yes, hope there is hope for Jimmy. Yeah, he might keep this
0: position, this yes. promotion. Now I'm looking at the. The case and where is the booklet? Is there was there a booklet for no. this? There wasn't. Okay, so I want to give a nod to the commentator who Please. has yes. a commentary on here, and her name is Sam with two Ms, Dean D E I G H A N. Uh, she's she's really good
1: right and this um I was very pleased and she knows he, all of his other movies when you brought this over I, I immediately noticed that it was a keener Lorber release and mm-hmm. to me that's that that that's, that's says just they're just a step below criterion as far as not just the quality of movies that they they re-release but the um the quality that they put into the Restoration. The Restoration. Yeah. I mean, the, this is
0: Blu ray. I made sure I got it on. Even though it's it black looks, and white, I wanted to have it It looks amazing. Yeah. Um, it's it, well beautifully shot. The, the film. The aspect the, ratio. The, the cinematographer had worked on Cleopatra, the original oh, really? with Claudette okay. Colbert. Yeah. And also, I'd found that uh, Preston Sturges was a contributing writer to uh, movies like The Invisible Man and the original. Uh, so Preston Sturgis was a contributing writer on not only on The Invisible Man, but the original Imitation of Life, starring uh, Claudette Colbert. So he did a lot
1: of uh, uncredited work before he uh, got credit. Just the fact that he had his own section in your video store just kind of speaks volumes. Yeah. And and we got to say that this man only did 13 movies. Yeah. To warrant his own section. And only lived till 60. Yeah. I can't believe it. So he only made... Uh, his first movie... Uh, the Real McGinty? The the Great McGinty. The Great McGinty. The first movie that he,
0: I guess, directed, produced, and wrote. Right. He
1: and then this ri- is the second. Easy Living, he had written previous, but this is the... F- and the movie that I saw with
0: Fred McMurray and Barbara Stanwyck, uh, the other Christmas movie, he wrote but did not direct. Oh, okay. Yeah. But it's still hilarious. I mean, the, the writing, I can't get enough of him.
1: I want to see his writing, other stuff. Yeah, his writing is... On, and uh, the one that I mentioned to you, it's he get, yeah he gets in some material that um he has a way of writing that he can he can get some innuendo in there yeah. and some very clever some very clever wordplay around getting around uh, taboo subjects yes. that's you know censors would generally you know like i said be uh, all up in arms about or uh, so, so
0: should we we're probably reaching an hour we are uh, should we
1: Mentioned the cat. The cat. <laughs> no, the cat. Oh, the cats. So yes, the black cat, the ominous, it starts out as an ominous black cat, as yeah, you would think. That Betty. But, that Betty trips over on, right. in the
0: initial rooftop scene. And then the cat shows up at the office. Shows up at the office where he's gotten his promotion and his at private, the very end. Yes. And the last scene, the last thing we see is them going down in the elevator from their point of view, looking at the cat on the you know, is riding on top of the
1: uh, no. Is riding on top of the elevator. It's going down with them.
0: No, I think I think they're seeing. I think they're seeing the floor that the floor that they've been on going uh, up as they're in the elevator, and the okay. cat's right there. But the, we see the last the last thing we see is the cat. Right, the black so, cat, like the
1: ominous black cat that you would think would bring was bringing bad luck. Well, but the commentator
0: says that in this movie. It's kind of an example of doing the right thing leading to disastrous results. Right. (laughs) So
1: there, there's another point. Yeah, there's there's a lot going on, right, in this hour and, and seven minutes of a black and white yeah. movie. I mean, it's amazing to me that people could sit and watch a two and a half hour movie that will give you nothing to think about <laughs> and actually will probably make you dumber on the way out. Yeah. Here. And then you have something like this that's 67 minutes that will make you think for hours Yeah. And can generate hours of conversation because it touches on such timeless material about love and relationships and friendship and... Like and humanity and humanity really and, it's a and movie about humanity you could have conversations about capitalism and mm-hmm. consumerism mm-hmm. and the ad, the advertising machine that's, mm-hmm. that um, is mm-hmm. just is a machine and mm-hmm. a beast and that's it will right. chew you up and spit you out
0: that's right so to be able to inject even a little bit of humanity into that machine is a feat in and of itself and that's right. what you walk away with with this movie right
1: and um, yeah you're just gl- you're given a glimmer because this movie could have easily it could have I like the way that this movie ended because it cause easily gone to either extreme, where it's a a, a, a hugely over the top happy ending, right? Where he 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 finds out that he did win, he did actually win the contest, so he does actually have this money. Uh-huh. That kind of which might be w- the case. Would in erase. The the last half hour of the movie that you just went through, Right. like the the emotional roller coaster you just went through, was just well, the kind of that's kind of what happens in yeah. a way, but it doesn't it doesn't focus well, it's on not that. Ex- yeah, right. Yeah or it could be a huge downer where he doesn't get the where not only does he, he not up on get the promotion Skid Row. not only does he, quits he get his the job, and no he's, he gets
0: fired he gets fired right? and it's all yeah not it all even goes back, downhill not
1: even back to your own desk job but you're out of the office you're out of this company and you're never going to work in this town again
0: he probably because turns to the bottle it turns into a lost weekend yeah. type of affair yeah <laughs> but instead we have a balance we have something that's that's that that is grounded in some yes. sort of realism I it's mean, like, okay, well, there's been a compromise achieved here. Right. Because they don't say pulled it off, pulled off the compromise. And it's like, okay, yeah. let's see what can happen with this. Because
1: it is realistic. Mm-hmm. Because,
0: yes, he does get to keep his job on a probationary well, she, basis. Right. And she says to the guy, she says to the boss, she says, look, you've already put his name on the door. You've already furnished the office. What You know? You might as well. You might as well let him keep the promotion you know if it is on a trial basis fine it's on a trial basis but give him a shot
1: give him a shot
0: it, it, it it's all would, about yeah.
1: it's all about your your oppor- that bite at the apple are you giving yeah. a, are you given a chance bite at the apple oh dear so yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. and they they are in the big
0: apple aren't they yeah, yeah, they are. They have They're in New York. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's a but, very New York movie. But it also has got a very... it Like, the scenes where he's back home with his mom and giving out all the presents it has a very small-town feel does. to it. And so does especially, the neighborhood. Especially she, because the, the neighborhood starts speaking up for him on, be, on yep. his behalf. Yep. And the and, commentator
0: says it might be even... It's reminiscent of a neighborhood in Brooklyn. Right. You it know? does
1: kind of have a... It's, it's got a very... Big city feel, but also a small town feel, yep. and it somehow it marries the two perfectly. Yeah, and there, I mean, the,
0: the, you're you're so and there's so much. Even with that, the the intimacy in the movie between the characters and the huge machine that you speak of are juxtaposed often. Yeah, throughout it's actu- it's actually the basis of the whole thing.
1: So yeah, yeah there there's. There's just so much yeah. um, going on, but our 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 rule for the podcast is that our, our our episodes don't exceed the movie, so we're gonna quickly wrap it up because Kay. this could either be an hour long episode or like a three hour episode. Yeah. So there's just there's so much, and this is just a perfect movie to to generate discussion. So that's what I want to urge everyone that's still listening to this episode. If you haven't seen this movie, rewatch it because it's worth a rewatch. And for what, you know, for, for numerous reasons, I could totally see. And I, I, I love Andrew's story about how he saw this movie because that's exactly how I would have come across this movie. Had, like I t- Had I told you, if TCM and AMC were still cable networks that just showed old movies, I know AMC is still around, but they're now all about original programming. Yeah. And I don't even think that AMC stands for American Movie Channel anymore. Okay. I, I think or the, American Movie Classics. Yeah. I, I yeah. think that, so. so... Like the Classic
0: Movies. Does, is TCM still around? It's probably like a
1: streaming app at this point. I don't oh, know. No. I don't okay. keep... I'm not up to date on that. So right. the fact that um, this movie is readily available, um, Kino Lorber did a beautiful release. It's, it's the perfect movie. Anyone can enjoy this movie. A little kid can enjoy the movie. Yep. An adult can enjoy the movie. Yep. Your parents would like this movie. Yep. It's generational. It's yeah, because it's timeless. Mm-hmm. The jokes are. There's Very enough. Jo- there's enough slapstick, and uh, it, it's eye catching enough that young kids would like it, and uh, there's enough. Clever phrases that even a little kid would pick up on. Oh, that's a cool phrase. Yeah, like cut. A, what is it? Cut a rug. Cut a groove. Cut a groove. Right. <laughs> I've never heard that before. No, no, that's great. Who says that? Kindly,
0: kind- kindly cut yes. a groove.
1: Thank you. <laughs> kindly cut a groove. Who says that? that's like um, that's like a disco anthem? Kindly cut a groove. Kindly that's not something <laughs> you would expect to come from a Depression era 1940s movie. <laughs> I
0: know. So there's so much
1: good stuff. So I just if you're still you're still with us to, you know check out this movie. I want to know like this is this is a movie that I just think needs to get talked about more. Um good. I'm glad I, you I, liked it. I almost think you know don't because I I'm, I'm going to admittedly say the title and the cover art were big turnoffs for me. I was a little hesitant going into this movie. You should know me better by now. I should, but the fact that we just have these two faces with a wreath around them, I'm like, is it going to be that kind of movie? Is it going to be <laughs> It's a Wonderful Life because I've seen It's a Wonderful Life and I get it, its appeal, but I never want to rewatch it again. <laughs> Christmas in <laughs> July on the other hand, I want I want to rewatch this in July. I want to rewatch this during Christmas. Do you, do you know they remade
0: it's a Wonderful Life for TV with Marlo Thomas in I the lead. I heard that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen that. I've seen that. It. It's
1: almost. Let's see by seeing the same. Well, let's never speak of it again. <laughs> All right. Um, so yes, Preston Sturgis. So we're just gonna. I'm gonna wrap it up the way Jimmy would want us to wrap it up. And uh, for Andrew, this is Chris from the Cold Film Companion Podcast. I'm just gonna tell you: if you can't sleep at night, it isn't the coffee; it's the bunk.